going on vacation there's like a hundred things you have to do before you go on vacation right so you're checking all these things off your list and you can imagine that for the children of israel before they go into battle there's some preparations but what we're going to find is that god's ideas of preparation is often different than ours and to be honest with you what we're going to see today it's actually god's ways of preparing us is often to our rational minds would seem to be counterproductive Today, Pastor Daniel will share some of God's final instructions for the people of Israel before they entered the Promised Land. These things that had to be accomplished were not only uncomfortable, but seemed completely counterproductive. There may be something that God's asking you to do too, but you may think it seems a little crazy. God, however, always has the bigger picture in mind. You can always trust He knows what's best. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message, Final Preparations, in Joshua chapter 5. All right, let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5, as we continue our study here through the Bible through the book of Joshua. If you're new to the Bible, I'm going to get you to the book of Joshua. It's pretty easy to find. It's the sixth book in your Bible. So if you open up, you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then Joshua, Joshua. Now, I've called this message today, Final Preparations, because the children of Israel at the time that what we're going to jump into, they're already in the promised land and they're just about to wage their first battle at Jericho. And before they enter into battle, there's some final preparations that need to be made. And you all know what that's like. Sometimes maybe you're like, you're going on vacation. There's like a hundred things you have to do before you go on vacation, right? So you're checking all these things off your list. And you can imagine that for the children of Israel, before they go into battle, there's some preparations. But what we're going to find is that God's ideas of preparation is often different than ours. And to be honest with you, what we're going to see today, it's actually God's ways of preparing us is often to our rational minds would seem to be counterproductive. And I think this is one of the things that's so challenging for us, especially in the contemporary day and age in which we live, because God's ways do not run along line with modern notions of efficiency, expediency, best practices. God has this amazing tendency to say, what I want to do is this, and we kind of chafe at the idea of it because it sounds so absurd that that's what God wants us to do. And so what most of us do, because we're too smart for our own good or we're just disobedient, is we do what we want to do. We leave what God wants us to do undone, and then we can't fathom why things don't work the way they're supposed to. Am I the only one who knows what that's like? No, you all know what that's like, don't you? Right? It's like God's word says this, do this thing, right? And you're like, yeah, that just doesn't make any sense, God, because I got a degree from school, you know what I mean? I got me a job, I got me this or that, or I should have a job, I think I should have had a job a while ago, and God, I know better than you, so I'm not going to do it your way, I'm going to do it my way. 
And then when you do it that way and it doesn't work out, you're like, I can't believe God would do that. I'm not the only one there, right? Okay. We're speaking real life, right? Rubber meets the road, how this happens. And so what we're going to find is that if any of us were standing in the army of the children of Israel and we hear what's the final preparations before we go to battle at Jericho, I guarantee you all of us would be like, yeah, no way. You don't believe me? Check it out. Joshua chapter five, verse one, it says this. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over that their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. Verse 2, at that time the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. Or in Hebrew, that would be Gibeath Haraloth. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on their way after they had come out from Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war, who had come out of Egypt, were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers, that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. And then Joshua circumcised their sons, whom he had raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because... They had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, this day I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Now, aren't you happy you're not me right now? I'll tell you a funny story. So I remember I got invited to go to a friend's church in Tucson. My friend's name is Pastor Robert Furrow. But I remember like, so he's invited me to teach at this pastor's conference in Tucson. Like, I remember the first time I went, I'm like, all of the guys who I've looked up to who've been doing ministry for years, who I've learned so much from, they're all the teachers there and they got me there. And so I'm like, oh man, this is going to be bad. But things went well. So he's been inviting me back every year. And so the second year when I go on back, they're doing the life of Abraham. And I get like an email saying, Pastor Robert wants Daniel to preach on the circumcision. And I think to myself, man, this is a setup. Like this, now, if you don't know what a circumcision is, ask your neighbor. No, I'm just kidding. I'll explain it to you. And if you have kids in here and they're like, what's a circumcision? Mom, dad, you got that. I'm not going to take that for you. But literally, I show up and I'm like, oh, this is going to be bad. Like, I can just imagine they're like putting out the life of Abraham and they're giving all these great anointed pastors, like all these great things. Like, we'll get Fusco the circumcision. We'll see what he did. But for me, and you guys know that I I got some issues. And so, you know, at this pastor, and there's like 2,000 pastors there, you know, and there's these sweet older ladies who are doing the sign language. (laughs) So, you know, I'm, I'm loving this. I remember I walked out there and I said, okay, everybody, 
I have the passage about circumcision. And people start laughing because everyone knows it's a setup and everyone's wondering. So I'm like, all I really want to know is for those of you who are doing the ASL, what is sign language for circumcision? And I look over at these ladies and these two ladies get pale white, like horrified, horrified. And I'm like, what's sign language for circumcision? And they went like this. It's like flint knife, you know, know? that was pretty good, right? No one's ever forgotten the circumcision message. You know, I give a little sound effect too, because you know, like when when it happens, no one's all silent, you know, it's like, you know, anyway, the things you learn at church, you know, people say church is boring. I'm like, no, you're boring. Church is fun, you know? So now into what's happening here. All the Amorites, right, who are on the west side of the Jordan, and all of the Canaanites who were by the sea on the east side of the Jordan, they all heard that God stopped the water so that the children of Israel walk over on dry land. So they remember 40 years earlier hearing the story of how God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt through that Sea of Reeds, the Red Sea, as we say it more commonly. And so all of a sudden they're like, "Uh uh-oh, it's happening again. And we heard about what happened to the Egyptians, and it says that all of their hearts began to melt and the spirit of them there was no longer any energy they were so terrified they're like the God of the children of Israel are at it again and now they're here right so like they have right now they have all of the energy in their direction they have all the momentum and then of course the Lord shows up that great momentum killer the almighty God and he says to Joshua, make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. And so what does Joshua do? God bless them. Look what it says in verse 3. Joshua made flint knives for himself and he circumcised all the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. Now, what's amazing is in my translation, it says the hill of the foreskins, but literally it's a place name that is now the hill of the foreskins. Can you imagine if you move into a community and be like, I don't think I want to live in the hill of the foreskins. <laughs> but that's what it was called. I mean, like, I mean, can you imagine, like, just imagine this. Like, you're in the promised land. You're like, what's that? Oh, that's the hill of the foreskins. Great. Can we go see what's over here? But you think about how illogical this is. They're about to go to war. They have the momentum. The people who they're going to go against are terrified of them. And God's like, we're going to debilitate your entire army for a couple days. Because circumcision, it was the cutting away of the flap of skin on what we say in my house, a male's private. If you want the more technical term, the penis. Are we in second grade right now? <laughs> I was giggling. Like, He's the people. And so this physical act of circumcision was the sign of the covenant that was given by God to Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 17. We see it pop up again in Genesis 34. We find that the children of Israel as are about to leave Egypt. They get circumcised again in Exodus chapter 4. So this was a literal marking in the flesh that they were set apart for God. Now, there's a lot of research about how these type of rituals were very common in that day as kind of a a rite of passage. 
And so different communities have that. If you studied sociology or anthropology, you read about some of these things. But this was not just some sort of coming in age ceremony. This was specific from God to Abraham to be different. It was, in a sense, it was a cutting away of the flesh, that which is unnecessary. Now, of course, for those of you who have a science, you're like, well, maybe it isn't unnecessary. And then people talk about all that stuff. But there's a lot of realities to the fact of why they're doing it. Some would also say, if you've ever studied the Bible, that a lot of these things are also function as also as health codes. So if you studied with us from uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you find a lot of the things that God did was just to keep the people alive. And there are some health benefits. Or if you have not been circumcised, then you have to do uh, an extra set of cleaning in that area to make sure that you don't get infections. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it and don't Google it. But what you have going on right now is that they're about to go to war. And God says, you, you would realize if you would have circumcision surgery done, that you wouldn't exactly be feeling like going to do some fighting that day. And that's why I think that God's ways are so unique. Because in God's perfect economy, this is the best thing for the children of Israel to do at this time. And would any of you choose to do that? Like, okay, it's time for battle. It's the Super Bowl. Let's all get knee surgery and we'll go to the Super Bowl next week. It doesn't seem logical. And in a lot of ways, that is what God does, is that God is asking us to be faithful, living in ways that don't seem to make sense. But when you walk in God's ways, what you realize is that my way doesn't make sense because God is smarter than me, God is wiser than me, and God's ways that make no sense when I walk in them begin to make amazing sense. And the problem, as I said earlier, is that for too many of us, we're too smart for our own good. Now, you say that with my tongue firmly implanted in my cheek. Really, we're just disobedient. But what you find is if you read these verses is that the reason this has to happen, and we read about it in verse 4. All the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all the men of war, they all died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Of course, all of them except for Joshua and Caleb. Notice, for all the people, verse 5, who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. And it says, for the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were the men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed. They all died because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that he would give us a land flowing with milk and honey. So you see what goes on here. This generation who left Egypt, they were circumcised before they left. But then they were in the wilderness and they didn't obey God. And not only did they not obey God and they died in the wilderness, they also didn't obey God by giving the sign of the covenant to their kids. So what goes on now is they were disobedient in totality. And now all of a sudden, this whole generation is going to go take this land that was promised, was not circumcised. Now, before I leave this unsaid, the Apostle Paul affirms for us that a Christian has been circumcised in Christ. What that means is the circumcision that God is looking for is not physical, it's spiritual, it's not of the foreskin, it's of the heart. And when you and I put our faith and trust in Jesus, God circumcises our heart. He cuts away in our hearts what is unnecessary so that we can truly be his. 
So discussions of physical circumcision, because I know someone's going to ask me a question. If we have a male son, should we have him circumcised or not? Yes, you should have them come to know Jesus, and then they'll be circumcised in their heart, not necessarily in their foreskin. And whether you choose to have them circumcised in their foreskin, physically or not, that's between you and Jesus. Does that make sense? But what God is really interested in is in a heart change, and this is a type and shadow of what God is really interested in. Does that make sense? But here's the question. What is God asking of you that seems totally illogical, that doesn't seem to make any sense and would be the last thing that you would do in order to accomplish what God has put in front of you that you're not doing because it's about as dumb as getting circumcised right before battle? What is it? Because what I do know from being a follower of Jesus for almost 20 years, from being a pastor for 16 or 17 years now, is that the biggest problem that we have is that we don't know how to obey God. God says, this is what I want you to do. And we say, uh, no, that's not strategic. You know, it's like an old story I've heard, and I've always loved this, and we love to practice this here at Crossroads. When someone feels called to be a pastor, I feel called to be a pastor. You know, the old story that they give the guy a plunger and said, well, yeah, the, the toilet, the third one in is clogged. And they're like, I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to preach. It's like, well, yeah, well, you have a clogged toilet. Why do you do that? Because the only way you can be a pastor is if you're a servant. And if unclogging a toilet is beneath you because of your calling, then you're not called to be a pastor. You know what I've learned? When somebody really wants to be a pastor and you give them, you can always tell how someone's going to do because the people who are really going to make great pastors, when they take that plunger and they plunge for the glory of God. You know what I mean? Like, like they're like, yeah, I'm cleaning it out in Jesus' name, you know? But the people are like, no way. I mean, like, that's beneath me. It's like, how can a pastor not be a servant? It's a job description. But in a lot of ways, this is where many of us get tripped up. Because maybe you're not called to be a pastor, but you want to take the next steps in your faith. And God's saying, yeah, this is what I want you to do. And you're saying, I won't do it. And then you wonder why you're not taking the next steps in your faith. Because God wants us to be faithful to what he asks us to do. Because he's God on the step that we're on. And if we're faithful with the little things, God will give us greater things. And we don't do the faithful in the little things for the greater things. We do the faithful in the little things because God is faithful and he wants us to be faithful. And we learn how to be faithful in small steps that as we are faithful in small steps, we take bigger and bigger steps, but it's still the same muscle as that muscle of faithfulness. And I think what goes on for many of us is we don't want to be faithful. We're like, I'll be faithful when I get here. People say our relationship is bad, but when we get married, it will get better. Everyone knows that's bad advice, right? So you hear these things, and you're like, no, no. If you can't be faithful on the step you're on, you can't take the next step because the next step's going to have another set of variables, but the same thing is needed to be faithful. And the children of Israel have not been faithful, but now we see Joshua being a model of faithfulness. I mean, Joshua was a warrior. He was one of the 12 spies that was set out to scope out the promised land 38 years earlier. And he came back and he said, it's a crazy, amazing land. There's big fruit, walled cities, but God is on our side. We can take it. So Joshua knew what was going on. And Joshua trusts the Lord enough to say, I'm going to do what nobody in my position would do. It makes no sense to debilitate all of my army and lay them up for a week in recovery right before battle. But it says that Joshua did it. He did it. Notice verse seven. Then Joshua circumcised 
The sons whom he raised up in their place. Then he is capital, which God raised up in the place of all this disobedient generation, for they were uncircumcised. And so it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. And that's pretty logical, isn't it? It's like they're all jacked up. They're hurting right now. So they're healing up. And then notice, then the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. Now, the word Gilgal literally means rolling. See, do you see what God did? He said, look, I want you to do this because this is my way of rolling away the reproach of their forefathers that kept them in the wilderness and they died. Now, you might say, well, why would God choose to do it that way? And the answer is, is I don't know. But could you imagine if they didn't do that? They would be walking in the same reproach that their fathers were walking in. So sometimes God asks us to do things that don't make any sense because God sees something that he wants to accomplish. And the only way he can do it is through a means that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But in God's economy, he knows exactly what he's doing. So what I want to encourage you is be like Joshua and be simply obedient. I'll be honest with you. I've been blessed because when I started walking with Jesus, I had great people speaking into my life would say things like, well, Daniel, just simply do what the Bible says and don't worry about it. And so I learned how to walk with Jesus to be like, well, it says this one should do that. It says I should do that. Like it was a kind of like a beautiful naivety, you know? And what's amazing is, is I've, as I've gotten older in the Lord, that's the best wisdom I've ever heard because it's so true. Now that I've been walking with the Lord for 20 years, my job is still exactly the same. My job is, this is what God wants. God wants you to love people. I'm going to love people. God wants you to trust him. Trust him. God wants you to obey his word. I'm going to obey his word. You know, and it's like, sure, don't get me wrong. I'm not perfect. So I got all the mental gymnastics. I mean, I've studied long enough that I can reason away all these things. But God wants us just to simply be obedient. You know, like, like I always tell people, like, with sharing my faith, I don't share my faith because I like doing it. I share my faith because my Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, but all will come to repentance. So I do it. I started doing evangelism or sharing my faith as an act of obedience. I was in a meeting today with some local pastors convened by the Luis Palau Association, and they were talking about the gift of evangelism. And someone says, well, you know, speaking off, I'm like, well, you obviously have the gift of evangelism. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm like, I do evangelism out of obedience. And what I've learned is that when you obey the Lord, he empowers you on the step of obedience. Jesus is Today's message covered a reminder of God's original covenant with Abraham, the father of the Israelite nation. Through the act of circumcision, the Israelites stood out from the other people on earth and linked them directly to God's promises. Pastor Daniel shared that while we aren't required to follow this same physical act because of Jesus and the cross, we still need to cut away the side of us that desires to follow the world. 
Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel reminds us of the importance of following what it says in the Bible and what God is asking us to do individually. Even when we don't understand why, we can trust in the fact that God's always been faithful and always has the bigger kingdom picture in mind. When we're obedient in the little things, God will bless our efforts and expand our ministry. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Conquest. Until then, may God bless.